Hey everybody, uh, super excited about today's podcast. Uh, this is about selling in the wine industry. Obviously, I don't talk a whole lot about selling, and so uh, I really hope you enjoy this. I think it will bring some value. Please enjoy. Obviously, this applies to all industries, not just wine. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Because we're going to be September 21st, 2009. Big Think. Gary does an interview with The Big Think where he gives advice getting educated on wine as a beginner to order better wines at restaurants. When you go into a wine shop, not only if you remember what you like or don't or know what you like or don't, no matter what it is, or you have no idea, just like the question was asked, you have to try a wine from a varietal you've never had before. Please don't buy another Pinot Grigio, another Zin, another Pinot Noir, a different kind of Chardonnay. No. Tanat, Chinon, you know, Rueda, Albarino. You know, these are the things I want you to look for. You've got to try a wine from Cajor, you know, from Bandol, from, you know, Atarantes from Argentina. So the answer is this. I can tell you right now, you are a wine expert if you spend two years and in that window you never order the same kind of wine. And if you do that, and then you, once you hit all the wines you can kind of find, Gruner Veltliner, Rieslings from Germany, Rieslings from Washington State, you know, different places making different grapes, you're gonna be shocked of what you know and how much you understand your palate because everybody who's watching this right now, here's what you're really doing. You're only drinking Coke and Sprite every meal. And you have no idea if root beer, Hawaiian punch, grape soda, black cherry, you have no clue. Tomato juice, pomegranate juice, you have no idea if you like those because you're sticking to Pinot Grigio and Pinot Noir. Please, for me, try something new. There's two countries right now that I think you can be very safe in finding some really neat stuff. One is South Africa. If you order a Chenin Blanc or find a Chenin Blanc, Very crisp, very clean, very aromatic, great with shellfish and light salads. You can get them for eight to 12 bucks all day long. And in red, hands down, the dominant country in value, in my opinion, is Portugal. You know, Portugal is just ripping. I think the quality out of Portugal for seven to $12 is staggering. I actually wanna do a 2020 investigation on how much these people are getting paid over there because I can't figure out the math of how the wines can be so good and they can deliver them for seven bucks. So from the Douro, the Dow, Alentejo, these are places that really make some great, great Portuguese wines. What your palate likes. So the makers for sure, the pedigree's important, right? Um, you know this builder's good, you know this chef's good, you know this car maker's good. You've got a reference point to knowing if the wine's gonna be good. But this is farming. I don't care if you're the best winemaker of all time, if it rains every day, you're finished. So that's also very, very important. What I think is most important when you first start learning is understanding the grape varietals. Understanding the difference between Chenin Blanc and Sauvignon Blanc and Riesling and Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris and there's a lot there that will really be the foundation of what you like. The real move, like the date move is to like 
Google's, you know, like esoteric grape varietals, right? And just like ask for like, you know, do you have any late harvest Grenache from the Banyul? You know, totally like throw off the Psalm with the mad skills, but you've got like only one move. Um, if you want to be a little bit more authentic, which I highly recommend, I think it's imperative to name off three wines that you've had in the past that you've liked and ask the sommelier to go in a different direction with varietal or from a different country, you know, and to expand your palate. I think, you know, there's a romance with, you know, being on a date of saying, you know, to your date, you know, let's explore some new stuff together kind of thing. I like cabs, but what else would I like? Well, you might like tanat because there's big tannins and big fruit, you know, and so that would always be something that would be my go-to move. You know, I think it, we're living in the Google era, right? I mean, I feel like you can learn so much more by reading good blogs like Venography or Fermentation, um, Dr. Vino. There's, there's just too many good resources uh, from the blogosphere uh, and from forums. And, you know, what I love about Corked is not only can you review the wines, but then people can comment on those reviews. So, like, creating threaded conversations around wines, I think, is, is very cool. And so... Uh, I'm excited about the fact that I don't think people have to spend $150 for a class or you know, necessarily buy a book. Now, both are so worthwhile. Classes, there's that engagement, interaction, books, it's kind of there with you. You, can, you, know, I, you know, I still think there's nice romance about a book, um, though I'm thrilled for Kindle or e-reader or whatever, you know, however you want it, iPhone, knock yourself out. Um, it's all about the content. But I, I think there's so much free content out there that I don't necessarily need to sit here and recommend a source that's gonna hit somebody in the wallet. Save those 20 bones to buy a good bottle of wine. Yeah, we were talking outside and, and you know, I was saying you'd be shocked what happens between 15 and 25. The wine world right now, 25 to 40 bones, you can drink world-class stuff. You know, you start getting into the Chateauneuf de Pop world, Priorat world, you know, you start getting into wines that you can't necessarily get to under 15 and they're, they're really sensational. Really, I feel like the quality of a wine, given the depressed market and given the advances in farming, a $30 wine today probably tasted as good as most $60 to $80 wines a decade ago. That's powerful. I mean, you know, it's powerful. You know, it's a very good direction for the wine drinker. I think it's very obvious. And so, uh, if I could say anything, if you're into wine, you know, you start looking seriously at 25 to 40 bones, you can get some crazy stuff. No. You're gonna overpay. That's all. <laughs> I got nothing there. I mean, Wine of the Month clubs are fine. Listen, I created one for Gary Vaynerchuk and Wine Library TV because I wanted to create one that was legit. I mean, people are getting ripped off. They're paying full value for fancy packaging and a letter that says thank you. You know, so... I think that the best way to do that is to find sources that you respect and trust, whether that's Wine Library TV or another blogger um, or a local wine merchant. You know that that's the only way he's going to keep you is by giving you great service and saying, don't buy that, try this. Um, but I really do think we're going to see an explosion in things like Corked. I mean, that's why I'm so bullish on it and launching it now. I think Yelp has provided a platform that people understand that community-driven scoring has value and... I think that's gonna come to wine in a big way. May 11th, 2018. Ask Gary V, episode 282. 
Gary takes a question from Oscar de la Villa Jr. on how to teach others about wine without coming off as arrogant. Hey, what's going on, Gary? What's up, brother? Clay, what's, what's going on, man? Yeah, just here um, um, being offended by uh, Gary <laughs> calling me Captain Clay. You know, I'll tell you a story what? about that someday in high school. I was a Captain Clay at one point. <laughs> Uh, What's new, Gary? Gary, just just uh, speaking out of uh, out of a pure heart, I guess. Pure heart. Absolutely. Oscar, what uh, uh, what uh, what's your what's your job in the wine world, and what's your question? Uh, my job in the wine world. So I used to be a psalm in a tiny little town in California called uh, Yonville. <laughs> and uh, not so tiny. N- what's that? Not so tiny in its respect in the wine world. Where did you? Uh, where were you yeah. psalming? Uh, I was a psalm at the French Laundry. <laughs> I love Oscar's humility. Keep going. Is that a drive-in? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so now I'm, I'm actually, I, I swapped out of the psalm world, and now I'm actually down in, in uh, Miami opening up uh, Chef Keller's new restaurant. That's amazing, So brother. we're actually in pre- Great. Yes. I'm excited. Uh, we're in pre-opening about. stages are right you, now. Are you gonna Are you going to pop up ever to the one that he's doing in Hudson Yards, which is right by VaynerMedia's headquarters? Do you know yeah, that? we're actually yeah, we're actually designing that right now. So we're all of that's in pre-opening stages and designing. So it's kind of fun talking back and forth with uh, Thomas. Funny enough, I just did a walkthrough with him this morning with uh, with the property here in Miami. I love it, brother. Great. What's your question? So, um, you know, so uh, again, so I was in the psalm psalm world, and I'm. You know, what's funny is that I I was a psalm, but I hated psalms. If if that because makes any sense. Because because 94% of them are straight dick faces. Exactly, they're all dick holes. And so, which is, which is why I, I sort of opted out of that for my career. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, and I'm trying to teach people and about just drinking good wine and, or just wine in general. And it doesn't have to be good. As long as it's good for you, that's great. But I guess, uh, you know, Dude, what you, would you brother, guys listen, say? Listen, in every industry, there's people that amass education and then try to use that education against other people because of the insecurities of their lives. Right, right, and then, you know, it's and I think it's one of those things where you know Assam could come up to a table and you know interrupt, you know interrupt. Sorry, pardon my pardon my interruption, but I'm going to interrupt your your expertise with my confidence. That sort of thing. Um, I, I think that's that's sort of the philosophy. When once no, you, you read a couple you, pages on wine, you just become an asshole. Dude, um, this is a huge thesis of mine. You just literally delivered the line that I used for years when I was telling my story, which is the second. You know, I'd literally be in business talks, and I would say, "How many of you have a friend or relative that's into wine?" Most of them would raise their hand, and I was trying to explain why I started Wine Library TV, and I would say, "Well, then you know what I know, which is the second anybody gets any level of knowledge about wine, they become a straight asshole." Right, and so I couldn't agree with you more. And by the right, way, exactly. The and then of, if you were to not, visit, go ahead. go ahead. And right, and if you go to Sonoma and visit these these guys who are making the delicious wine, they're, they're the most humblest people on this planet. They're so nice. They open up their doors to you, and they're not snobs. And they're making the wine. Go ahead, Clay. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Just it's simple. It's it's food in other parts of the world. Wine is food, and, and let's just uh, it's it's great fun and good camaraderie. Uh, it doesn't have to be so sophisticated. But I will say this Some for does. for Oscar, for Clay, for myself, for Trouty, because he's a wine snob. Um, 
is, you know, I also think that we get confused <laughs> at times. I, I, you know, 99% Sorry. of people don't give a fuck. You know, Oscar, like, and to your point, keep it simple, right. good news. 99% yeah. don't. Right, keep yeah. it, it simple and, do, and just drink what you like and that's it. And you Oscar, know, when you go in a restaurant, just don't don't be, you know, don't get too nervous about the wine list. Just pick something that you like. Oscar, yeah. I've seen the biggest CEOs in the world running $800 billion companies when the wine list comes, pass it away like it's got like. like weak in the knees, totally. It's, it's weak unbelievable, in the knees. it's unbelievable. We, you know what drives yeah. me crazy? And, and I mean, I can probably afford any nice ball of wine. Expensive. Well, of course, I, you're, I mean, you're I, spending $40,000 for a pair of boots. You can do it Yeah, well, I don't, it's not funny, but, but <laughs> I can buy any ball of wine. They're close, close to it, right? So big deal. But you know what? It's it, when people look and cherish and, oh my God, oh geez, oh, oh, uh, I'm already into my second glass. I just want to have fun. <laughs> You know, I mean, this is supposed to be fun and, and, and food and healthy and, and not, it's like, what the, I'm just not, we're not that kind of company, that's for sure. No, you're not, and honestly, that's why you're sitting here in Oscar. I had the same reaction, brother. Like, I mean, the, the pushback, watching the narrative of Wine Library TV from 2006 to 2011 was super interesting for me because people, I mean, Psalms, a lot, of, and, and, and distributors, and like everybody, people were mad at me for making it fun and accessible, and I would sit there and say, idiots. I mean, John Trauman sitting here right now got into wine because of Wine Library TV. He was into it a little bit because his dad had a restaurant, but like, like it made it, like he found a voice that made it interesting. I, we were creating more interest in wine. All these sommeliers are doing is making it more inclusive, and like it's the same old. I mean, oh God, honestly, you're you're rehashing feelings, Oscar, right now. That like, it's super sad that people claim to care about something when what they're doing is taking the beauty of it and making it selfish and trying to put themselves on a fucking pedestal. Can I dumb it right. down? Right, and knowing that you know, great, um, you know, you can just you know, you'll have a psalm come by. And he'll be so pretentious about the wine being, and he knows nothing about the story behind it. He knows nothing about hanging out with the family or knowing how humble the the family was that made it. Oscar, sometimes she or he does. What they don't know is I never, in my life, I've never had a Psalm ask me questions about how my day was or what I'm even doing there. Because I can tell you right now, I choose wine for my moments in time much more about the situation at hand and the mindset than the food that I'm eating. Every day right, of the week. Right, because I would always, sorry. Go, no, no, go ahead, brother. No, because I, was, I would always approach the guest and say, what do you like? I'm not gonna go ahead and start recommending things just because there's a comma in the price. You know, it's funny, you just made me think of this incredible story. You remember Burns, you know Burns Steakhouse down in Tampa? Yeah, in Tampa. Legendary place, really not pretentious. And I thought it was so fun. As a matter of fact, it's so cool, it's more like clay, like awesome. Like really chill, this crazy list. And the sommelier came up to me, goes, and to his credit, he said, what do you like? And I was just in a joyous mood and I thought it was that kind of place. And so I said, Kendall Jackson Chardonnay. (laughs) And and they brought it out. No, 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 he shit on me and then I fucking destroyed him because, <laughs> I, for, because I forgot more about wine than he knew. But I, it was interesting to your point. That's a good story. <laughs> it, it was really funny. Like, but anyway, real quick, we hit on something I've never said in my life and I, I actually want to clip it and make a piece of content around it. I think wine should be chosen based on mood, 
and atmosphere and the context of what's happening. If you have a Kentucky Derby party this weekend and you have a bunch of buddies over and you're betting, like that's a great time for bubbles or something simple or an over the top, unbalanced, like, like the, all my Somme friends want to shit on Australian Shiraz because it's over extracted and, and it's makeup wine and it's full of shit. And guess what? At some level, if you want to be a scientist, they're not wrong. My thing is, if I'm hanging out with my buddies and I'm watching, you know, WrestleMania, I want to have a Cabernet that was fucking aged in bourbon barrels because they're gonna be like, whoa, I like this because I don't usually like wine, but what the fuck is this? This is like some bourbon shit. I'm like, yeah, bro, it is. Like, like, to me, it's the context of the mood that you're in way more than like the perfect acidity match of this Gruner is gonna crush it with the Kumamoto oysters. I'm like, awesome, nerd, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, who's gonna drink Harlan while watching the Jets game? That's exactly right. And some Jet games I need to drink vodka and some Jet games I need to have some champagne and that's just the way it's gonna be. <laughs> It, it's it's a simple product. It's it's uh, you know it's fermented uh, grape juice is what it is. It's grown in different climates all over the world, uh, different soils. That's what makes it different. Different yields, different trellises, and it, uh, to me, it's just simple fun. Let's have some fun. That's what everybody needs Don't to complicate do. Complicate it, yeah. Let's, yeah. Um, Oscar, listen to me. Listen to me, good. With this energy and your pedigree, and it's funny. One of my favorite psalms of all time is a guy by the name of Andre Mack. Do you know Andre? Totally, hell yeah! Opening, opening uh, summit per se, absolutely. That's right, and you know, part of Keller's world. I'm sort of like Keller, even though I don't know him super well, based on the people that he keeps around him. And I always gravitated towards Andre because we would we would talk about wine the way we talk about hip hop or like fun. He was just a good dude, and he was fucking the opening totally. sommelier per se. It was fancy as shit, and he rolls out, and he's just a normal guy. And 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 I, you know. <sighs> Laura Maniac, you know, who, you know, like th- these people that I thought just did a, cr- was, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like they're out there. I said 94% for a reason. There's 6% that are the gold standard that are doing positivity. Please do me a favor, Oscar, start tweeting and Instagramming about wine like a normal person. You could do a lot of good for the game. And I think having someone with your pedigree and, and your energy is important for the wine world. And if you do that, that would mean a lot. And I'll try to retweet it at times. Like do that, do, put out content. That's how you change the game. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's how that's how I think I'm doing it on Instagram right now. Good. I just take a picture of a cork and Good. you know, I just write a Tell little a story. story about it. I love it, brother. Thanks for calling. Thanks, guys. December 17th, 2014, Ask Gary V, episode 57. Gary takes a question from a vineyard owner in Tasmania about how to sell wine if you own a vineyard. Gary Vaynerchuk. I have an Ask Gary V question. I'm here in Tasmania at the opening of a, uh, a brand new cellar door winery and oyster bar. Uh, it's a small three hectare vineyard, seven acres. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question. If you had a seven acre vineyard and it didn't have these wonderful views that we have here, how would you sell lots of wine? How would you do things different to all the other vineyards that are out there? Cheers, love your work, thank you. Ah, it's nice to see the wine stuff show up on the Ask Gary V Show. I really appreciate the question. First of all, I've been to Tasmania, an incredible place, making some of the most interesting sparkling and Pinot Noir based wines that, I'm, that I think are coming out of the world, yet 
so many Americans don't know it and it's really sad. Think about how many of you, when you hear Tasmania, thought about the Tasmanian devil cartoon character and that's all you got, which is really too bad considering how incredible the place is. Um, you know, look, I think that we've addressed my, uh, you know, it's funny, we made a movie, D-Rock, you, you crushed it. Let's link it right here because I know you can do that in the YouTube world. Uh, the clouds and the dirt. And the answer to your question are really clouds and dirt or is ways that I used to say to my dad, big and small. The way I would sell a lot of wine is would be big and small. Let me explain. You've got a small kind of parcel. You're not making that much wine. And so the small would be hand selling. You know, I'd be flying over to Australia. Um, I would be going into the big cities within New Zealand. Uh, I would probably pick one or two markets in Asia. And I would literally fly in and hustle. Literally knock on doors, walk around with sommeliers and salespeople from the companies that represented my wine and one by one, restaurant by restaurant, retailer by retailer, sell the product. Taste and sell, taste and sell. The unscalable, the small. Now on the big, and you've heard me give this advice in the past, I would become a media company. Now look, it's very easy for me to say that that's what I would do because I actually did it. In 2006, while doing the small stuff, the tactical email service, the website, building a wine shop, working the floor on a Saturday and selling, if you haven't seen my comeback video, I know, a lot of editing, Stefan. Those are the small things, but the big things were Wine Library TV, right? I decided to make myself the critic. I would, if I were you, for your winery, become the authority of food and wine. Food and wine, I wouldn't go lifestyle and travel, but I would be the authority of food and wine for New Zealand food and wine, the cuisine and the wines. I would actually review and talk about your competitors. With a small parcel, you're not competing with anybody really because there's a room for everybody at that level. So I would literally turn yourself and clearly you're a very charismatic and good looking man on video, you just did it, you felt comfortable doing it. I would execute that at scale. Literally replicate what I, what I did by putting out content, whether video, which I think you should do based on what I saw, or written form, become an authority. You need to be a media company. You need to be bigger than you are, brought to you by your wine. So I would go big and small. But by the way, don't get caught up in the glam. While I was showing up on Conan and everybody was courting me for TV shows and everything was great, I was still downstairs hustling, trying to sell one more bottle of Pinot Noir. I was still in my office to 11 p.m. answering people on Twitter, answering my email, trying to get a good deal on a Barolo. I was still doing the small. It's not playing in the middle. It's going big with you need to become the authority of New Zealand food and wine and the small. And you have to have the humility to get on a plane, sit in the middle aisle, and go to the Philippines and sell a couple of bottles to some random restaurant. Got it? April 14th, 2015. Ask Gary V, episode 87. Gary takes a question from Shark Take investor Lori Grenier on how to buy wine if you can't tell what's good or bad. Hi, Gary. Lori Grenier here from Shark Tank. I always say I can tell instantly if something is a hero or a zero, but I'm in the wine section here and I can't tell what is the difference between any of these wines. Help me. Lori, uh, first of all, thank you so much for the uh, question. Big shout out to all the sharks that I've been mingling with the sharks lately. Um, Look, Lori, I think everybody has this problem. I, I think that buying wine, when you're trying to figure it out, you're not gonna be able to make a judgment on the label. Buying wine based on the label crushes my soul. Buying wine because the shelf talker says 90 points is the secondary move that crushes my soul though. 
Wine Library does that at scale and we put up those shelf talkers because it sells wine. I think the best thing you can do is form a relationship with your wine person um, and have them really learn your palate over time. That's going to work for you 70-80% of the time because you're not always going to be by your local wine shop or that person might be sick that day, da 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 da. I think the, uh, the best move in lieu of the wine person is to try a different varietal every time you go. By recognizing that trying a Gewurztraminer or a Marsan or a Roussan or a Lirac or a, or a Gruner Veltniter uh, or a Lagrine, try, you know, Kornos, trying these different things, right? Uh, Blaufranca, like just trying new stuff is always a great way to go. You're scared that you're gonna try something you don't like, but again, it's really no different than the advice I just gave about Facebook video. When you haven't tried something, you can't judge it. Got it? And so the value of trying something and creating the context. Content is king, context is God. Something I love to say, this is another version of it. You've gotta try new stuff. So, build a relationship. Steve, you know my palate, what do you got today? Oh, weird, uh, you know, you're recommending a, a Pinotage from South Africa? Cool, I'll try it. But, no Steve, he's sick today. Uh, try some, oh, I've never had you know, anything from Lodi before or I've disregarded buttery Chardonnays for five years. Let me try another one just to see where my palate is and where those shards are in California these days. So, mix it up. I wouldn't recommend you a Pinotage. It'd be very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs>First of all, Tyler, send me your address, uh, Gary at VaynerMedia. Uh, I'm gonna send you something on, on, on me. Uh, I'm a big fan of New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs, uh, German Rieslings that are, have a hint of sweetness, mainly dry, but a hint of sweetness, and um, Beaujolais and Grenache-based red wines that are a little bit more palpable, not as tannic, a little more fruit, a little lighter on the red wine side. So um, I will, uh, as a matter of fact, you know what, guys, let's do this, this will be fun. In Facebook and um, YouTube, let's put a link to four starter wines for all the 21-year-olds. I'll link them from Wine Library. Make sure I do that because we'll forget after this and we have a bad track. Well, actually, Stefan sucked at that. I think Tyler will come through. So I'll put four little links in Facebook and, um, and uh, YouTube for all of you in those categories I just mentioned or I'll actually look through Wine Library's inventory right now and see if anything else stands out. December 2nd, 2014. Ask Gary V episode 49. Gary answers a question from Stephanie Rule who asks if the high-end wine business is a hoax and whether the wines are worth the price. Gary, is the high-end wine business just a complete hoax? <laughs> Has anyone actually ever tasted the oak? What does oak taste like? That's a great question, Steph. Uh, is it a hoax? It's as much of a hoax as the art world is. Uh, it's as much of a hoax as a high-end restaurant that charges you know, $10,000 a head for a once-in-a-lifetime meal. 
It is the classic example of supply and demand, my dear. And coming from a you know business-oriented TV show and living in the world that you're in is, is a stock price a hoax? Uh, the answer is yes and no. To me, it's not a hoax because I live a very basic life of supply and demand. I think what I get paid to speak on stage is a hoax and I did for a while until I realized, well, not really because I'm compensated for what I do for that event. And so, you know, does an actor who gets paid $8 million for a movie but never gets brought up like an athlete for being overpaid, is that a hoax? Yes. And no, when you start understanding that actor brings people into the theater or makes people watch and then they sell advertising against it. It's all an arbitrage. And so the wine world, uh, do people, back to the basic question, can you taste differences in wine? Absolutely. I live it. I mean, I can taste the difference between an $80 wine and a $10 wine pretty consistently. Can I taste the difference between a $1,000 wine and a $500 wine or a $1,000 wine and a $100 wines? A lot of times, no. The beauty of wine is everybody's got their own palate, back to art or music, right? Is it a hoax that an EDM DJ gets a ton of people into a place in Sweden? For me, it, well, actually, I've gotten more into EDM, but like, theoretically it is. Uh, but you know, and that's it. It's brand, it's supply and demand, it's how the game works. And so the answer is, I don't think it's a hoax. Do, but if you're watching this show right now and you don't appreciate the game, so here's a good piece of advice. Let's get into real good advice. Don't drink good wine. Let me say that one more time. Don't put yourself in a position to understand why it's not a hoax. Sit first class because then you realize it's not a hoax because you like it better than the middle seat and coach. Don't get front row seats to a ball game, then you understand that it's not a hoax compared to sitting in the upper deck. It's context, baby. And so the bottom line, I, that made me happy. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line is it's all perspective, it's all supply and demand. But that's what it comes down to. You start understanding why these things fetch the dollar amounts they fetch when you actually taste it versus theoretically complain about it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, I really, really, really hope you loved it. Uh, As you guys know, I try to bring it every single day. Uh, So whether you're walking a dog, uh, running on the treadmill, or traveling on a plane, I hope it brought a little value or escapism for you. And I'm here to talk to you about the thing that I'm most excited about, which is the Gary V Wine Club for $55 a month delivered. No shipping charge. $55 delivered. You either get one, two, three, or four bottles of wine For some of you that don't know, that is the industry I grew up in. I was once known as a wine expert. And what I've been doing is getting back in the game, tasting hundreds of wines each month to narrow it down between one and four bottles so that I can send it to you and send you over $100, $150, $200 worth of value each month. If you go to the hashtag GaryVWineClub on Instagram, you can see the insanity brewing. I'm really excited about it. And to be very frank, I'm just so proud of the damn club. Like... The first, you know, somebody just emailed me this morning, actually, there was a Shatniff to pop, that's how we roll, a Shatniff to pop in the first October month, the first month we did it, that the guy just literally saw in a liquor store for $67 just for that bottle, and it was one of the three bottles. So, super excited about it. Buy one for your dad, your best friend, your boss. I will not let you down, and most of all, each month, There is a video and audio supplement of me tasting the wines that you can taste along, build your palate, or entertain one of your buddies. The greatest 
gift for the holiday season in the history of mankind, the Gary Vee Wine of the Month Club, $55 delivered. Go sign up now to winelibrary.com slash Gary Vee. Gary V-E-E.